Hello there, people. Welcome to another Chit Chats with GitCats, number 55 with Rich Rankin from Tyler Guitars. Before I check my front door, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, some sponsors that I've got on board. I've got ET Guitars, who have provided some great cleaning products that I'm going to give away. Um, the folks at Summer Cable, you would not believe the size of the uh, box they sent me full of cables, t-shirts, backpacks, etc. Uh, and also, Chicken Picks, Chicken Picks, my choice of pick. These guys here, not sure if that's going to get in focus, if it sees my eyes, it's probably not. There it is. These things are amazing. That pick there is about a year old and they do not wear out. I've gotten used to using a funny shape. They've got all kinds of shapes and sizes. I'm going to be giving that stuff away through my Facebook. Uh, what do they call those things? Not a page, but a group, a public group. Come and join Chit Chats with GitCats. And I actually need some ideas from some of you folks who are a bit more savvy with um, how I can give all this stuff away to you and try and promote myself. Get the word out about some of the guests that I've had on. Uh, but in the meantime... Uh, there is a ding dong and there is somebody at my front door. Who should it be but Mr. Rich Rankin. Hey, Rich. How you doing, man? I am good. I thought you were going to pull a Swifty on me and pretend the audio was dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you didn't. Stranger things have happened. Rich, yeah. you're in sunny California, I believe. Oh man, it's burning hot in California right now. Is it really? It was a hundred hundred and eight today. Hun I don't know what that means in sensical terms. Celsius. Yeah. Uh, burning, burning hot. Okay. Burning hot Celsius. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Man, when are you guys going to get the measurement thing down? Like I know, right? Yeah. What's with inches and feet and? Uh huh. You know. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just got a comment on one of my uh, Facebook. Uh, demos of the Friedman small box and some, and I made fun of, um, or such and such pounds for those of you who speak gibberish. And someone said, "Man, I'm American. I totally get that. It just doesn't make sense." <laughs> yeah. But Rich, you are the general manager of uh, James Tyler Guitars, and I believe you're going to give us a bit of a look around the factory. But firstly, I just want to find out a bit about you. So I'm going to ask the question that I ask everybody, and is, and that is. What started the love affair with the guitar for you? So um, this is actually kind of a fun question because I've, I've done quite a few interviews and stuff, but it's never started with what was the spark, you know? And uh, I just so happened, and we'll see it when we do a little shop tour, uh, my, my uncle, uh, Bob Barr, uh, who is still with us, he's a... Uh, I lost my dad last year, but my uncle is still there. He uh, he was a musician, and I grew up in uh, Minnesota and Iowa, and my dad's family was from Iowa, and he would come back from San Jose, California, and he would bring his 66 Duo Sonic and his deluxe amp, and uh, I was eight years old, and uh, my let me back up a little bit. The love of music... I remember even as a, a young kid, I would like pull myself up on as close as I could get to the one speaker in my mom's 67 Chevelle and just pull my face into it and, and, and just try and absorb and listen, you know, to the sounds that were coming out of the thing. You know, I remember I was super little. You didn't have to wear seatbelts then. So I could, you know, we'd be driving at 55 miles an hour and I'd have my, you know, face on the dash 
And uh, but then she also played music. My grandfather was in uh, uh, it was in vaudeville a little bit, and his uncles were in vaudeville. And so I grew up in kind of in a musical family, and there's always acoustic guitar sitting around, and my mom would sing to me. So, uh, but when my uncle came with that duo sonic and showed me how to play, you're not going to believe it, no, a song I don't think anybody's ever heard of, it's called Smoke on the Water. I learned how to play it on the high E string only. And I just remember just sitting there for hours, just dun, 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 dun. And, uh, and I was always fascinated with them after that. And uh, I, I, uh, I actually wanted to be a drummer originally, believe it or not. But I played a little piano, played a little guitar, and I didn't get to play drums. Ended up playing trumpet, but I learned a little bit of drums in junior high. And then high school hit, and uh, a song called Brothers John- by the Brothers Johnson called Stomp came on the radio and made me want to be a bass player because it had that percussive thing. Uh-huh. And it had strings, you know, so, you know, I became a bass player, and that's, that's my main instrument. So, I'm sorry to hear that. So that was the, yeah, <laughs> we got more, gi- we got lots of gigs, you know, I had to say no to gigs. Unlike guitar players, a lot of times they're like, ah. but it is true. A good bass player, a good yeah. play- bass player uh, will get a lot of gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's the spark. That, that was the spark and we'll start from there. If you want it. Yeah. 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 So what did you so, start playing in bands at a, at a young age? No. So, so I'll, let me, I'll give you the, 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 the summation. So all of that happened. I wanted to be a drummer because of we're an American band. And then brother Johnson stomp Lewis Johnson. I I didn't even know who he was at the time. I just felt that thing with the bass. So I bought a bass because I would mess around with the bass in, uh, in the band room because there was one in the band room for the jazz band. So I started learning just a couple of bass lines, like another one bites the dust, owner of a lonely heart, stuff like that. You're starting to see how old I am. Um, and uh, so I bought a bass after high school, before college. And when I went to college after basic training, uh, I ended up in a band because I owned a bass. And that band was these five guys. And we all played around Iowa and South Dakota and a little bit in Minnesota. And we decided to, just like everybody in the 80s, let's go to California where all the music is and let's go, you know, make it big. And so we all moved here and uh, in 86. But the guitar player moved here in 85. And that guitar player was a guy named Brian Carlstrom, who ended up becoming a guy named Dave Jordan's engineer. And he uh, uh, did Alice in Chains, Dirt, Offspring, Social Distortion, all right. this stuff, you know. And, uh, but we moved out here. I came out to go to Dick Grove School of Music, but I, I literally got in that band because I owned a bass. And then I learned to play bass in that band. And, uh, and I came out here and I was going to Dick Grove School of Music. And there used to be an advertisement in a magazine called BAM, which was Bay Area Music, but it was down here as well. And it would say, James Tyler Guitar Shop, the place for bass, because he had a repair shop. But then he also had a retail side that was all about bass players, which was different than others, any other stores like Guitar Guitar and, and a lot of stores would have both. But he specialized just in high-end bass stuff like Ken Smith and Tobias and Status and, uh, gosh, Groove Tubes uh, bass preamps and stuff like that. So I thought, wow, 
base, place for base. I need to go down there. And uh, so I went down and I met him and he was showing me around his shop and we we're going down a line of bases and we get to uh, uh, a session player's uh, base named Neil Steubenhaus and it was a Tyler. And I, I looked at it and I said, wow, who, who makes that base? That headstock is horrible. <laughs> so if anybody out there ever wants to bag on the Tyler headstock, I've been there. So, you know, obviously I fell in love with it later, 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 you know, but, but I stuck my foot right in my mouth. Cause he's like, um, yeah, that's me. And, uh, so, uh, so he worked on my bases and I ended up buying a Kabiki factor from him and another base. And, and then I ended up in a couple of bands and, uh, I went into a shop one day to get pick up something or something. And he was sitting there and I was like, what's up? And he's like, ah, I just, I'm, I'm looking for somebody and I need somebody to work in the shop and I just can't find anybody. I'm like, Hey, I'll work for you. And, uh, so I worked for him for seven years and, uh, moved on, needed more money like anybody, you know, and it's like I went from building high-end uh, uh, beautiful electrics to uh, setting up Fernandez guitars. Cool. But we had the sustainer pickup. So I met a ton of people who are still friends like uh, Matt Scannell, who's also a Tyler guy, but but I met him because of Fernandez from Vertical Horizon, and fabulous guitar player, and Adrian Ballou. You know, I still chat with him once in a while and you know, gosh, we had Robert Fripp and the Edge, you know, had a couple guitars that he actually sent us pictures that, you know, we couldn't use, but it would show up because he would play them live. Yep. And uh, I was there for 10 years and I ended up becoming the controller. So I was the money guy. Then they couldn't afford me anymore. They let me go. So I started engineering, collecting unemployment, looking for another gig, but I started doing, making records. And I hired a guy to play keyboards on a record. And he, had him come and play. I had this church gig uh, that was really killer with a bunch of killer cats, like the drummer that played with Eric Johnson and Billy, Billy White and Ian Moore. And the keyboard player is now the musical director on American Idol. And it'd just be these fabulous players. And uh, this keyboard player said, hey, do you, do you need a job? And I'm like, nah, not really, because I, I played a, a jazz bass at that point through a really nice compressor, an actual rack compressor on a pedal board, Tube Screamer, Sans Amp, into a 73 SVT at a church gig. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> do you need a job? And they were working on the low down bass amps at line six. And I'm like, I don't even know what a product manager is. So we start talking and he says, dude, I think you'd be perfect for the, for the gig, for the product side, but do you have any financial experience? And I'm like, well, I was the controller at Fernandez cause you got to do Excel sheets and all this. So I went there and I did the, uh, with Daryl Smith is, is the guy who uh, hired me there along with Marcus Ryle. And, you know, I had the interview with the whole team, but, but I did uh, the low down bass amps. And then I did spider three with all the artist presets and then spider valve with Bogner. He's a longtime friend. And, uh, and then I did uh, M13, M9, M5, I started M5. I didn't finish it, but I drew the original M5 on my whiteboard. Oh, cool. And, uh, but I had to move on to Variax. And when I came, came to doing the Variax, the Bogner thing worked so well, we started talking internally like, hey, let's, uh, let's partner with somebody and let them take care of the guitar side. Let's just concentrate on what we do well, which is the guts. Yep. And, you know, some of the older Variaxes were cool, like the, you know, the, the, uh, 
the what was it the 700 that looked more like a Paul Reed Smith type yep. of thing and and guys who loved him were rabid fans but it just couldn't without pickups it, it was like couldn't break through that you know and and I I uh so when we pitched the working with a guitar builder before it was Jim when it was just we should work with a guy as a builder we need one of my first requirements was it needs to have pickups because when that guts and technology goes away, now you have firewood. But with pickups, you can pull the guts out and you still have a great guitar. Yep. So, uh, and then a couple guys were like, yeah, but with no pickups, it kind of tells you something, right? And I said, nah, it's kind of like a hot chick with no eyebrows. <laughs> and you go to the store on you know Sunday morning and they just got up and they need milk and they haven't painted on their eyebrows, the girls yep. that do the paint It's a on. funny look. And you're, <laughs> there's just something yeah, missing. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I went looking and, and of course talked to Jim and I talked to Tom Anderson and I talked to Sadowski and a couple other guys. Cause these guys are all friends of mine, you know? Yeah. And, and I ultimately went with Tyler just because of his worldwide kind of like, like, and when I sent the list to my UK side of line six, they just wrote back immediately. They were like, you're talking to Tyler. And I'm like, I used to work for Tyler. Don't you remember that? <laughs> and, uh, in, in Europe, they were just like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, so and I knew, I knew Jim well enough to know that he was going to push us to do the right thing. And, uh, it was, it was supposed to be a couple of year project that ended up going five years and he went through brain surgery in the middle of it. And he had a tumor. That's no unknown thing that people know. And, uh, but we did the the Tyler Variax and and it did really well and now here we are, eleven years later and it's still selling and a technology product is only only supposed to sell for like two or three or four years uh -huh. before it gets a refresh. I hope they refresh it, you know, with Yamaha and everything. Yeah. But uh, so I uh, I left on purpose in 2012 uh, to mix records and I moved in with that guy I was just talking about, Brian Carlstrom, and I moved in with him and it was going great. And then he had a heart attack and passed away, sadly. And I moved my studio to my house and I was looking for a part-time gig. And there might be a guy watching right now uh, named Adrian that I worked with at Line 6, who I worked with as well at Gibson. So this thing fell in my lap. I was looking for a part-time gig because of Obamacare and all that stuff. And this full-time gig popped into my lap and I went to the interview in jeans and a t-shirt and told them I didn't even know KRK was still around. And they looked at me like, what are you crazy? You don't know we're number one. And I'm like, no, cause I don't see him in studios anymore. And they looked at me like, why is he saying this in an interview? And I just said, Hey, I'm your target customer. I make records. I, I do, I have IMDB credits. I do post work. I do bands. I, you know, I went looking, I went on a monitor hunt and all my friends like Joe Barisi and, uh, Dave Jordan and these, all these different, none of them told me to check out KRK. And I said, is that my problem or your problem? And they were like, oh, yeah. I said, well, hire me and it'll become my problem. So I did the V series there and I, everything I learned doing that, I baked into the new rocket that has actual Kevlar and it's got the room correction software and all this stuff. So, uh, and now they moved to Gibson, moved it to Nashville. So I worked at Gibson during the whole bankruptcy, which, you know, even though I was on the pro audio side, obviously I, I had many friends on, on the guitar side before I even worked for KRK. 
so I went through that whole thing. If there's any questions about that, I can't, there's certain things I can't say, but man, that was, that was a nutty time. And, uh, but they, once they got out of the ba bankruptcy and they got the guitar side squared away, they moved KRK to Nashville and I got, I have five grandkids here. So, so I said, you know what, I'm staying here. And I started looking at gigs, other gigs and, and Jim and I even went out to dinner at one point and I joked about, you know, I should come work for you. And, you know, and he's like, mm, you know, yeah, you know, and it always felt like, yeah, we've been there. Let's just stay friends, you know. And uh, and also I was ramping up my mixing again. I actually got a gig doing Disney and Marvel special features. I had to go through police background checks. This is right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And uh, and I. I ramped up a couple other things. A buddy was going to help me get in the union and the whole thing. And, and then the pandemic hits and I ended up getting super busy mixing a church and mixing uh, some other stuff. And then Jim's uh, had to let go of some of his crew because they were scared every, you know, we didn't know what was going on. And he said, Hey, can you just come by and just help me ship a few guitars and, you know, and then I'm going to shut it down for now until I know what's, but just, you know, help me clean up a little bit and, and I said, yeah, sure. And I came in and I was helping him. And I said, what do you want to do, Jim? Because everybody knows, you know, he wants to retire. And, you know, he took his final orders a couple years ago. And I said, do you, do you want it to be final? And he said, look, I, I don't want to do it. And I said, yeah, but here's the thing is if James Tyler leaves James Tyler guitars, is it still James Tyler guitars? Most people would say no. And for the most part, they're right. And I said, but Jim, here's the thing. It was you and me in your garage when you decided to go full-time building. So the first, I'm going to show you guys the, what we used to call the green book with the first 10 studio elites that were ever built and the names that are attached to them, which is yeah. a super fun thing. Cool. But I was there from the beginning and now I've made a name for myself sort of in the industry. So it's like me coming back, you're retiring, but you're, he's still here. He's going to do the set neck on his own. He's just going to build the first 10 himself. Yep. You know, as I'm keeping the shop running and I built up a team after COVID started letting up, we have 8,000 square feet. So we were able to stay open and we're also not in Los Angeles city. So we weren't under the same restrictions. So we were super careful and all that stuff. And we kept going. And of course, as everybody knows, I'm sure that's listening. If you're at all watching what happened in with instruments, everybody knows it blew up this last year. Mm. Like, you know, so we got super busy. I hired some guys from Exotic. I hired another guy that used to paint for, for another company in Orange County and uh, and built up this team and it's been going super great. We up production. It's uh, It's been a blast. So, so, and then I met you and here we are, you know, awesome. so that's kind of the, the <laughs> I know it's kind of long, but it was, that's about as compressed as I can get it. Awesome. Well, I first came across you uh, online when you were product manager for um, the M series at Line Six, and I know uh, the whole philosophy behind that was bonehead simple. And I got one when they first came out. And there was something that was missing from it that I thought should have been on there. Uh, was it MIDI, MIDI sync, or something? Uh, forget it at the time, but I made a suggestion on the forum. And uh, gave my reasons why, and lo and behold, next firmware update, you guys put it in there. So it's really good to see that you know you listen, because there's some companies yeah. where people are screaming for certain features, and they're just like, yeah. yeah, whatever, does this. I I I kind of I spirit. It was funny a few years ago, Line Six announced that they were doing this uh, like beta. Uh, I forget what they called it. 
where you had to sign special NDAs and stuff so you could share your ideas because you got to be really careful with that stuff. Um, and uh, but I kind of spearheaded that with M13. What happened was, and I'm sure you remember this, because it wasn't a product that was going to cannibalize one of our other products because it was so different. It wasn't replacing anything. We announced it at Frankfurt and then didn't start delivering until the following NAM. So I had nine months to to work with guys and talk about what they wanted and you know and of course like you alluded to bonehead simple I wanted to make an effects and Daryl anytime I say I I mean me and Daryl Smith okay if you guys don't know who he is check him out he he left line six as well and has his own amazing company that works with TED Talks and the whole thing so um, you should interview him sometime man that guy well, worked for but you've uh, you've, you've so run it off company. a few names that I'm going to pick pick your brains about how I can get yeah, in touch with sure. after the show yeah. So, so we were like, we want to make it a multi-effects pedal for the guy who doesn't want multi-effects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just reach down and it's, you know, I have an M9 on my pedal board now. And I, I just, I love the thing, you yeah. know, so. Mate, we, and, we, and listening to customers, that's the point, though. What, what you were saying is I even started a forum before we even were launching into doing Variax with Tyler and everything. Yep. I launched a forum saying, Rich Rankin, product manager for future of Variax here. Let's talk. And it went to like a hundred thousand views in a couple weeks. And the company was like, Oh my God. And then people were putting ideas in there and they're like, you can't do that because you got to be really careful, all the legal stuff. Yep. So we made a way for people to go in legally and come in so we could all talk and, you know, and, and nail what ultimately became the Tyler Variax, you know? Awesome. So. Awesome. Were you, um, were you involved with the Helix product development at all? Small? A little yeah. bit. So that that's so, just so, the complete opposite for me. I've I got the Helix when it first came out, and I've got an, uh, an HX Effects just sitting down there. And there's a few things. The whole yeah, touch sensitive, capacitive things. I'll accidentally touch something and then turn a knob, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Uh, uh, uh. I I really like the bonehead simple of the the M series. Yeah. If only well, I could get the, the 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 same engine in that format. Yeah. Oh, that would just be the ultimate. Yep. Um, um, no, I, when I say a little bit is, is, uh, even before I came to line six, they had a, they had, they, they used to talk about the ultimate pod type thing way, way before Fractal and, and Kemper came on, on the scene, they were talking about making the ultimate pod and they, they, they codenamed it, um, um, uh, grant, uh, no, oh, crap. But road cars, really fast road cars, and mind cramping. Um, I'd Formula help you One. out, but as we worked out before, I'm not really into the cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Formula One. So, yes. so, and I used that when I was at KRK. I used that. We were getting ready to do the high end, and I hope they still do it. The high end KRKs, and I talked to. When you're talking to somebody that doesn't understand monitors, why do you need a $3,000 monitor? I said, there's guys that will buy those, but everything you learn doing that trickles down. And that was the idea. I didn't even know that until a couple of years ago when I was talking to some a former you know, employee a friend from Line 6, and they said, well, that's why we called it Formula One. And I'm like, no way. Oh, that's genius. But so we, we all product development, we all had our own products, but we would meet once a week with our head of product um, development, a guy named Steve DeFuria, and we'd have this massive just like throw out, don't don't put parameters on it yet. Let's just talk free, 
you know, because you got to do parameters like costs and who's going to buy it and who's the customer. But let's just get crazy. And we actually did. We want this and with juice and and we did all this stuff and we came up with and we started pitching basically a fifteen hundred dollar pod. And, you know, internally, it was just like, oh, my gosh, whoa, are you guys crazy? You know, and we're like, look, we won't sell a lot, but. Well, we were losing the mindshare game to some of the other companies that were doing really inventive stuff. And I'm friends with many of them, you know, like Cliff at Fractal. I love that guy. Um, and uh, it was just like, hey, you know, we're selling the crap. I mean, they wish that they were selling this many of everything, you know, but we got to do that thing that says we get that we care about taking you guys as far as you can go. And then that would sell more you know, HD 500s. Well, obviously when Helix came out, it just went, you know, blew up for him. And I was yeah. gone by then. It wasn't even called Helix when I left. I wanted to call spider valve Helix, All but right. they said no. And it, but it was taken by some other company. So I don't even, I still don't even know how they ended up getting to call it Helix. Dang yeah. It. Right. Well, that whole trickle anyway. down thing that you're talking about, I, I know there's the pod go that's out there now and it's, and it's got yeah. the engine of the Helix and everything. And I'm looking around for uh, a solution at the moment. I'm sort of weighing up all the different things that are out there. Mm -hmm. If only that pod go had a stereo out for the, the amp output to, cause I, I run stereo cabs. So I got two Marshall boxes mm -hmm. sitting right there when I'm not for loudness, just get that spread in stereo. If only yeah. it had that, I'd be going for their, the pod go as opposed to a, a helix, but it's got all that, yeah. all that technology trickling down, like you say, which is, that's great. Yeah. That's how it all works. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. You know, so it was good. It, I had a blast. I was there seven years and it was just an amazing time, you know, um, and, and I had a blast at KRK. I've, I've been really lucky. I, uh, I, I tell people all the time, I look back and I'm like, I could have never charted this path at all, yep. you know? And yep. it's a job. At the end of the day, I love being here, and I'll, we're going to look at the shop and stuff, but it's a job. But the fun thing is, is the in-between times, instead of talking to bankers about investments or something, you're talking to guys about Big Rec or King's X or, you know, or whoever, yep. you know, so. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, so Rich, you've been threatening to give us a bit of a tour around the factory. Should we yeah. get that out of the way, mate? Before you know, you have yeah. any issues with batteries or anything like that. Uh, um, I'm I'm rocking the batteries. So you're rocking the batteries. Um, That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I made sure everything was charged up. The one thing I'm going to have to do. So this is going to get weird. I'm going to be all like all over the place as I try. That's to okay. You got to flip the camera. I think. I think so. I just got to see. Can I do that within this? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh yeah, right there. Wait, uh, let's see. What does this do? Oh, that switches us. All right. Uh, oh, within your. Uh, it should be. Let me think. How you would do that? Oh, here we go. You got it. Front facing, and I'm gonna go to facing back. Did that? What is that? Did that do anything? No. 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 Let's see. Let's see. Facing front. All right. Oh, you know what? Maybe I have to. Uh, We should have thought about this. Did that do anything? Oh, there we go. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Okay. Can I get you to flip the camera We're sideways rocking. again? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Perfect. So now now I will flip you and me so I can see what the heck I'm showing you guys. There we go. Now is there a way to go full screen on that? Nice. I'm just going to get me out of the corner there so that uh, we can see a bit more. Okay. There we go. Yep. Nice. Well, just because I'm in my office, so, so this is mission control. Yep. Hopefully there's nothing that anybody can zoom in on. Of course, I got my KRKs. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. um, so this, everybody, is every guitar 
from basically 2000. So this is not, this is when he started doing what he calls build sheets. And uh, it has every year, uh, I have 2000, 2020 and 2021 by my desk. Cool. But, uh, but this is everybody's actual build sheet, you know, so if I pull out one of these, you know, when, when, pe when people request, hey, can you tell me about my guitar? You know, it'll be like, you know, here's your guitar. Oh, that's funny. Rock City. Um, you know, there's a serial number and this is, you know, that's actually, most of these are Jim's writing because he did all the, he was the sales guy back then. Yeah. So the reason I showed you these is because we had a thing in the shop called the Green Book, which uh -huh. I actually ended up calling this the Green Book. Because it was a a green notebook. Awesome. There's my uh, there's my writing where I was trying to figure out how to spell apologize. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a this is a super fun little tidbit. This is a guy named Doug Nossinger who sadly um, is no longer with us. He passed away last year, but he was a young kid that just called me up when it was me and Jim in his garage and. Uh, he, uh, he's like, man, I'm nobody, but I'm, I'm going to MI and I'm going to be somebody. And, uh, you know, if you can help me out and we, we built him a parts guitar or whatever. So I miss that guy. So anyway, here's the, uh, the first page of studio, uh, studio elites and the first, so it's the first 10 guitars and first 10 basses. So you'll notice Tyler. Yep. Guy named Todd Sharp, Rick Azem. Huh. I wonder who that is. Robin Ford. Wow. Tyler, Kevin Dukes, Bob Bradshaw, Steve Lukather, Landau, and a guy named Larry Genichini. Uh He is no longer with us. Amazing, amazing player. And uh, some guy named Masteller. Actually, I'm just kidding. That's uh, Kurt Masteller. That's my, uh, my guitar player from the band I moved out here with. Wow. We built him a guitar. Yep. And there's my bass. And, of course, you got Steuben House, Alec Milstein. I actually have that one for sale. Kevin Dukes wanted one. John Pierce. He's actually using his Tyler five string with Toto right now, which is cool. Oh, cool. So, uh, so yeah, so this is the green book and it's like, you know, all the serial numbers and of all the years, you know, That's so awesome. this is how we used to keep track. So we didn't have build sheets, you know, I, d I don't know what we did with them. We had something obviously we were building off of, but uh, anyway, so that's, that's fun thing there. Here's me when I, when my hair was full. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me about hair, man. I used to have the, the best long hair ever. And yeah, as I get older, it's like, yeah, is it time to shave it off or I look stupid with that hair? <laughs> <laughs> so as promised, here's the uh, 66 Duo Sonic. Wow. I, uh, my, uh, it, you know, they're, they're not really worth much, but it's, uh, and and my uncle had had taken it down. How I ended up with it, he had taken it down because uh, he was a auto body guy, and he yeah. was going to repaint it. And so he had stripped it down, and he had sanded the body crazy. But the neck pocket was left alone, so the color was there. So I had a buddy of mine who I've been friends with for like thirty five years. He's he's one of my best friends, actual best friend, and his name's Dan Strain. Also, you guys would know him as Danocaster. Uh huh. But. Uh, that's a guy you should interview, but I don't, I don't know if he would, I don't think he would do it. He'd be like, screw that. I'm not talking to people. 
I love There's that other guy, people though, listening? I didn't it. know that. Don't, I, I freak out around crowds. Yeah. So so he, he did just a perfect, you know, it's his relic thing that he does. And it's just perfect. And all I'm doing is, you know, it's got a notch out of it, but I'm just going to put it back together to hang it on my wall. Because this is the guitar that I learned Smoke on the Water on, wow. you know, when I was a little a little youngster. Yeah. So there's there's my Variax. Cool. You know, so there's that. So uh, let's walk through the shop and just do a, I'm not going to go crazy. There's a couple of shop tours online that you can get, but maybe we'll see something we haven't seen in one of those other ones. Maybe. I don't know. First off, you know, it's Tyler. So we have big swamp coolers, not little ones. Wow. Yeah. I'm actually going to shut them off. So what, what do they do? Uh, just keeps the shop cool. So it's, it's uh, less blazing hot. So uh, one of my jobs is finding wood and getting it in here. You know, sometimes we buy lumber when, it, when it's not cut up and ready to go. It's called lumber. And, yep. and then sometimes we buy blanks, you know, from the usual suspects. As I've uh, said many other times, if anybody out there has any, any uh, you know, uh, contacts in the wood industry, let me know. These bridge ports we had at Sepulveda, this, this address is in San Fernando. So before that, when I worked for Jim, we were on Sepulveda, where Schechter used to be when it was Dave Schechter, way back in the day when Tom Anderson and Pat Wilkins and guys like that worked for him. So here's our CNC, you know, standard fare. Nice. Next, you know, coming out. Um, anybody out there that remembers Slaughter? We'll, uh, we'll enjoy this next one. That, that was an 80s metal band. Uh-huh. Um, Jim, Jim used to work on, he, he just left, actually. He's, he's been in here working on fixing our fixtures. So um, he uh, used to work on Jakey Lee. I worked on Jakey Lee's guitar at one point and Vivian Ooh. Campbell. And he used to work on, like, Mick Sueda from Bullet Boys. But Dana Strum used to be with some artist named Spanos, but then obviously he was in, in uh, slaughter after that. So this is actually Jim's bench, you know, that he's worked at for, for quite a while. That's a killer deluxe reverb that wow. every guitar gets uh, tested yeah. through. Uh, that's a killer vacuum. No, I'm, <laughs> that's a joke. The so. tone of that sucks. So, you know, we got the laser, yeah, we got the laser machine. And the laser I machines for... Uh, we cut um, splines for our necks. It's like the piece that goes, tucks down over the truss rod. We, we make yep. truss rods the traditional way, you know, mm -hmm. single truss rod. And uh, we also cut out like our out, uh, pickup um, bobbins and stuff and a few other things. And uh, yeah, this is a guitar owned by a guy named Tommy Walker. He's a big uh, worship leader cat. At, uh, Look Jim at that. Look at Did that. Did a, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Man, I forget how nice beautiful the, the guitars are until I see them. Wow. Yeah, and this, this one's, uh, this one's, is there even a serial number? Wow, we got to get a serial number on this. This is, uh, it's got a nice bird's eye neck on it. But this is quite old. This guy makes uh, records. He's an amazing guitar player. But it's, uh, uh, you know, church, so it's got the, uh, acoustic -y saddles and a stereo uh, jack and I hipped him to the HD 500 
what, 10 years ago, and he uses that to split his signal and get a nice acoustic and electric going at the same time. So, so that's, uh, that's that. We're back where we started, but let me, let's see, let me show you two more things. And I'll show you some finished guitars that just got put together so they're not fully assembled, but fun. So here's a bunch of necks, you know, waiting to get decaled. I think tomorrow is a decal day. Cool. So you have and, specific uh, days where yeah. you concentrate on different processes in the in the factory? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a definitely a system and you know, once in a while a guitar will, you know, will will fall behind, but we just, you know, we just let it fall behind and we catch it up and eventually it ships, you know. So so here we are like sanding a schmear. So and I think that it's called copper patina, I believe. Wow. So, you know. So this is in the sanding, you know, it's like all the sanding and stuff and there's a burning water but uh, and then this is our you know spray booth jim realized you know look once you pay for the fan and everything let's just get the carport one that you can actually drive a car into because now the guys can just go in shut the door and you're not tr going in and out of your spray booth you know you're just in there mixing paint and making it happen cool. but uh, this is fun we recycle because we care about environmental things too so we recycle our uh, acetone in a still basically it's oh, like nice. you make moonshine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's uh, it's less uh, anything we can do to not have stuff go into a landfill jim's always like hot on that so let's see what do we have over here this is a this was a, a guitar that's waiting to go that's a nice spalted top Nice. Came out pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about some of the, 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 the finishes that we've seen there. I'll come back yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got, I got a fun story about – and by the way, guys, anything that I say is just me riffing off of my recollections because sometimes I remember stuff differently than Jim d does, so, so don't take anything I say as gospel. But uh, but yeah, we you know we wind our own pickups. Yeah, you know. I was just about to ask with a uh, pickup winder. So you guys make all your own pickups, yep. then, huh? Yep, we make all the those, and Jim's got ideas if uh, if we get a chance to do it. Uh, and then here's some single coils getting made. Um, one of our one of our best employees, uh, very important person on the team, is Jim's daughter Sarah who, you know, some people tuning in might have talked to her because she used to run the office, but she very much likes working on guitars more than office stuff. And uh, she does all her bodies, winds all the single coils, what, uh, makes all the pickguards and wires all the pickguards. Wow. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty awesome employee. So here's a, here's a fun, let me lay it down. This is called uh, Alien Guano. I'm going to guess that probably most people know you know so this is like an alien guano it's a special one for a guy with a that's called an explogo <laughs> cool and uh i've never asked jim but my guess is that came from uh there was a guitar that mike landau had uh that's everybody knows it as coma that went through many different iterations and one of them was it had this fender neck that Jim redid and I don't think there there wasn't a decal or something and so Jim put was going to put on a decal and and then as a joke he slapped on a whole bunch of them and 
thought Mike would just laugh and then he'd take them off. But Mike was like, I love that. You know, so there's, if you, if you could do a Google search, you can find, you know, find, find that original, that crazy headstock with all the decals. That's called a white schmear. This is pretty great. Now, so the, the schmear and, and the, the burning water that, that you've seen, that you've shown us. Yeah. How do you go, how do you guys do that? Is that a trade it's secret? It's a top secret. It is top- Not really. No. It's a, it's a lot of paint. You know, and and then it gets sanded flat. You know, you put you put it on a certain way and sand it flat, and then you get the patterns. How it started was, I uh, I was when we were working on Sepulveda. Um, there's a this is a this one's a barn find, same wow. type of thing. You know, you this you know, so it looks like what you'd find in a barn. You know, look at that, look at that. Even even on the fretboard, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, even the back of the neck. But it, it's funny because visually you'd think it'd feel weird, but it's still perfectly flat and it still has our flat finish on it that gives it that, you know, wood feel. Yep. So even though it's a crazy finish, it still feels just like a regular old Tyler. But uh, but what happened was, um, well, let me, you know what? I'll do the smear story. Yeah. So this is just assembly. This is where we, you know, we buy parts and store them and, that's part of my job is making sure that nobody's ever standing around looking at me like, we're, we're, why don't we have any jacks? You know, that's Jim's own mongoose. Just quickly, but Rich, how, how many is. people do you have working in the factory? Uh, total with Jim, 10. Okay. I'm going to flip my camera back around. You're right, mate. Come and sit down. All right. Done. All right. All right. And we're and back. Flip. Okay. Let me get this set. So hopefully that was fun and interesting. Yeah. So that's thrown your audio out slightly. Um, oh, just now? Uh, I noticed now. it when you Check flipped one, the camera two. before and then came back. Um, mate, try and log out and log back in and just see if that fixes it. Okay. So. Okay. End conversation, log back in using that link that I sent you. Like hang up and then just hit Yeah, hang link. up and come back in, mate. And okay. I'll just talk to the people in the meantime. I think that should fix it. Cool. Okay. How's that, folks? Amazing. I'm just going to take the opportunity to ask you guys, if you have any questions in the chat room, to uh, shoot them in there now. I'll, I'll come to your questions. Um, and he's back in there. There he is. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you have any down. questions, folks. I got you, Rich. I got you. Um Put them in the chat room now, and I'll come back and I'll, I'll sort my way through those. But I'm going to cut back and just see whether that actually fixed. All right, I can see you. I'll see whether that fixed the. I'll need to hear you, mate. Give me a one, two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that's fixed it. I think that's fixed it. So cool. yeah, no, it definitely has, mate. Um, yeah, just some of those those finishes, like the the burning water and the smear yeah. do, do you get many people that actually don't want that that just want a plain old color and do you guys sort of think it's <laughs> yawn no 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 actually if you go to uh if you go to our tyler guitars facebook page it's funny i, I just was l- looking through it today well because i was uh changing the my post about our your broadcast and so i scanned down and i was just like oh i i haven't looked at this in a little while and i posted you know, with all the crazy finishes we do, there's two guitars. I said, here's one that's just Lake Placid Blue. And it actually ends up being 
wow, because we're so used to the crazy stuff, yeah. you know? So when a nice Lake Placid blue comes through with gold hardware or, you know, something like that, it's like, oh, you know, or a nice top like me, I, you know, working for Jim for all those years, I got pretty bored of maple tops, but now that we do so many schmear finishes, when I see a nice maple top with the scrape binding or real binding, it's like, oh yeah. But uh, do you want to hear the story about kind of how the the uh, floodgates of weird schmear finishes started? Nah. Of course we okay. do. <laughs> of course we do. So uh, we were on Sepulveda, and, I, and Jim had uh, – something happened. Something landed in a finish, and it was a turquoise guitar. So it would be, you know, wood and sealer and then silver. It was candy turquoise, so silver and then turquoise. And he said, here, oh, I got I to gotta reshoot this. And so – sand it down for me. So I'm sanding it down and I'm sanding it and sanding it and I'm about halfway done. So it, and it's sort of like wood and silver and turquoise and all weird pattern. And of course, you know, at that point I had known Landau for a few years and the Coma guitar, he, he, Mike stripped that down himself. Jim gave him a, a pail full of acetone and let him strip down his, because if you look for really old pictures of the Coma guitar, it's red. So he just stripped it down. And so, uh, I'm looking at it and I said, Hey Jim, look at this. This is something that Landau would like. And Jim goes, I think you're right. Put it on the corner of your bench. He's coming in tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Just leave it there. Don't say anything. He comes through the door, looks down and immediately starts putting his fingers on it. And he's like, Oh, what is this? You know? And uh, so him and Jim went in the spray booth and, and ended up finishing it off with uh, red purple and black i believe and that of course became the psychedelic vomit which was a landau signature model they did a hundred of those and you know that type of thing so from that mike said hey can you do a psychedelic vomit but do it with something that looks more like burning water because of his band burning water and if you haven't heard burning water check it out they're you know it's hard to find but they're a great band so he did burning water and then i was gone for the rest of it, but it all just kind of parlayed into different painters and Jim and a couple guys that were close with Jim. You know, they, they started coming up with cool ways to do weird, weird things. And then from there, it just became different colors. Like Alien Guano came from one of his customers who, who, uh, named Raj, who, uh, many of you know, I'm sure, uh, he, he wanted something like burning water, but he wanted green and purple and something else. And he originally called it, uh, just burning water with weird colors and 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 then he came up with he's like man you know the the creature on uh predator you know would spit that green you know stuff so he thought i wonder what that guy's poop is like you know <laughs> and you know figured that jim wouldn't go for calling it alien shit so he he said how about alien guano and that's where alien guano came from so sometimes customers come up with it or like john o we have one called Wino, which which is Wine O U, because his last name is O U. He uh, he came up with. I, I, I actually I'm going to be posting. So if you already aren't on our page, get on our page. I'm going to post his story about how he initially contacted Jim and he wanted purple and this and that and became Wino. And then one of one of my uh, my main painter is a guy named Tucker, and he we were working on another different finish that we haven't, I'm not ready to talk about, but it didn't work out, but we were halfway done and it wasn't going the way we wanted for that thing. 
but Jim just told him, well, you figure something out. So he finished it up and it's like this purple and blue schmear and we're, we're kind of, we're going to call it Tuckerberry schmear, you know? Cool. So, you know, yeah. So, so that's basically it, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's fun. I had a silver schmear base, you know, when I had my Tyler five, but it was long scale and I just, I suck. So I can't play long scale. Well, it's very identifiable. Like you see, if if you don't catch the headstock at first, you see the body mm-hmm. and you go, "Yeah, it's Tyler." Yep, absolutely become the, uh, the the signature. Now, options, other options in the guitars. Like you've got all the great finishes and everything, but what's some of the other things that you think um, you guys have? Actually, that's two questions in one. I'll, I'll I'm going to ask the second half first. What do you think sets apart um, Tyler guitars from other brands? It's uh, is it the feel? Is it the sound? Is it's, it the individuality? It's, it's, yeah, it's 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 a a little of all of it. I, you, you, Jim and I often talk about it, and and there's so many great builders. Like you know, the almost all of us builders are all friends with each other. We all know each other, you know, and everybody's doing great work. I, I realized that when I was at KRK and I started looking at all the high-end brands and just different, you know, things that people are doing. We're all, we just all have our own take on it, but there's something about a Tyler that I've heard it so many times where people are like, well, I was put off by the headstock or I wasn't sure about this or that. And, but I always heard. And and then when I finally touched one, it was like, what? So I don't know, you know, one, one thing, the neck, you know, we, we do have variations, but our most popular one is basically what we call the standard 59, which was came from, uh, Landau had this 59 Strat and the neck just, you know, cause if, if you think about guitars back in the day when they were shaping guitars, they were busting them out and somebody was just, okay, that feels good. So yeah. every one of them was a little different. It wasn't CNC. And then, you know, so, so Mike had this guitar and we just, every time it was in me and you know, I, like, I, I'm a bass player, like I just said, but I know enough about guitar. And I could play enough guitar that I know, how it's supposed to feel and I've set up thousands of guitars, you know, so he, uh, so we were just, so we measured it and we figured it out and we started kind of copying that for the, like the, the psychedelic vomit, you know, the Landau signature model. Cause he loved this neck and cause man, coma at one point was like, I think the neck was about the size of my finger you really? know, back in the day with the Floyd Rose and yeah. the little bitty neck. But, uh, but this 59 neck just felt great. And then I was telling Jim one day, I was like, we would break the edge, but I'm looking at it going, man, it's just really worn down in between the frets. You know, it's like almost a trough, yeah. you know, and Jim goes, well, let's, let's try breaking it some more. Let's, let's go for it on that rosewood neck. The next day he comes in and he looked at the neck and he's like, you ruined this neck. And he was so mad because I mean, back then we were, you know, guitar to guitar, we weren't doing that many guitars, you know, now we're yep. doing eight a week, but back then, back then, sometimes it was eight every two months, you know, it was like, oh. so um, he's like, well, I have this body and he was making a shop guitar so we could show people pickups, you know, and, and let them feel the guitar and, you know, try out guitars at the shop, you know, back when people used to go into shops to try guitars before they started ordering them online. So, uh, I put on this black guitar and we beat it up. He used to cut after I left, he, he used to do a somewhat beat up thing. It, he never liked calling it relic cause it, he just was beating it up. So he called it with bacon, but so it was kind of a, 
bacon guitar and he burned a cigarette down and we did lacquer for fun and took it to Nam and everybody was like, Oh, you know, and, and, uh, but everybody that would touch that neck with the frets way rounded over the edge of the, was, Oh my God, this feels amazing. So we started, he started going, let's, you know what, let's just start breaking it harder. So I, I think, you know, here's the thing. Jim Tyler, let me give you a little history on him. And again, this is just my recollection and, and what I know. And uh, man, I would love to get him on camera, but it's just not his bag no, at his all. Thing. Some he'd, people, yeah, yep, yep. He'd rather sit around and talk about, you know, your, your, your racing and what, what supercar racing, supercar V8 racing over yep. in Australia. Yep. He loves that. He wants to come there. So if it, he ever does, I'll definitely hook him up with you so you awesome. can show him around. Awesome. But, I live uh, in a beautiful part of he, Australia. So, yeah. Yeah. He's, he started um, in high school messing around with guitars. He was a musician. He's a great guitar player. I'm actually going to cut some clips of a band we did, and he's ripping these solos. And I'm like, Jim, come on, man. I'm just going to do it. You know, he's super embarrassed that I want to do it. But people need to know he can play. And, and you know, in another time in another place or whatever, or some certain band, he might have just been playing for a living. But uh, anyway, so he, he was a a mechanic so he's always really good at building and fixing things and all this so he started fixing guitars his first gig was working for norman's rare guitars and uh he he would work on guitars and and like it recently when uh eddie van halen passed away norm posted a picture that was actually taken with jim's camera because he's also a pro professional photographer he, wow. he takes amazing photos yep. if you if you search james tyler photography you can go look at like photos he's taken and and he probably has some for sale even so uh anyway he uh he worked there and then left to start his own thing and his clientele were always the players so he was always and he's a player so he was always and this is probably the same story with everybody but it's just his sensibility of what he liked and what he would, and he would really hear and, and, and absorb probably how I ended up being as good as I was at line six was from watching him absorb what the player was saying and then not giving them what they asked for, but giving them what they were asking for, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, and so he, uh, he did, he had his shop and then, and, and then he, you know, he was a repair guy to everybody, you know, and then he's, he was modding guitars so heavily. That's when he went, wait, I'm breaking these down to a body and a neck with no frets. I should just start getting uh, bodies and necks from, he got them from Phil, Philip Kubicki at one point and then Tom Anderson, you know, cause when Tom left, uh, when Schechter was sold uh, and went to Texas, I think, or something like that. Tom was making bodies and necks and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, Tom Anderson, I can't say enough about that guy as a human being. I'm not going to get weepy, but he, he really, if it wasn't for him, there probably wouldn't be a Tyler. And I don't mean in that way that a lot of people will say, Oh, well the early Tylers were just made by Tom Anderson. No, everybody knows that's not the case. He was, he built bodies and necks and he would make our bodies and necks. And Jim did a lot of the work and he would go over there and uh, Tom would let him, let Jim use the machines and, you know, a lot of stuff that we just couldn't do, you know, and, and then Jim's just slowly built it up to where he had all the same stuff and was able to do it himself. But, uh, but, but I think that's what it is, is Jim being a real player and a tone guy, like he's got a really great ear. Like when I hear him testing each guitar, you know, and doing the, the balance between the pickups and the chords he plays, there's just something in him that then, and I think it's just, you know, 
certain people connect with it. Cause I'm sure that as many guys as are out there that try to Tyler and went, oh, try to Tyler and went, this is great, but man, I really love my X, Y, Z. This is the one for sure. me. Yeah. You know, everybody's different. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. so I think it's just, he's taken it to a level that when it goes to that certain guy that wants what he, you know, is in a similar, you know, is that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause that goes against, um, what we hear about Leo Fender, who didn't play, but just purely mm-hmm. went on the feedback of other people and then engineered it. But so I guess Jim yeah. sounds like a cross between the two, where he was a player, um, yeah, and put what he liked into it and what he thought should be there, but then also listened to people and gave them what they wanted, maybe with his little twist on it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. I love. I just read a book about Leo by one of his managers and. Uh, for for a long time, Leo would just just strum an open, you know, all strings wide open, but it wasn't even tuned really. Yep. And of course, it was just E A D or whatever. So finally, somebody said, "If that's all you're going to do, they they basically put it in an open E tuning, so at least it was a chord." <laughs> cool, cool, awesome, yeah, awesome. So, in terms of the the Tyler guitars, um, is there a lot of options available when you when you order them online? Yeah, I mean, we we have our our standard models, and then um, and and we can get pretty crazy. Um, it, it's uh, but we don't get a. It's it, you'd think we'd get more, you know, crazies want to do crazy stuff. So there is stuff where we just say no, you know. Um, but what's so funny enough? Okay, so for years the HD. The Studio Elite HD has been the deal, which was the, is basically the, the old school Studio Elite, but without the series parallel switches, with just regular humming single coils and a humbucker with a mid boost. And but anything that's old will be new again at some point. And so there's been this huge uptick in full-on Studio Elites with the series parallel switches and Seymour Duncan stacks and. You know, we're 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 uh, gonna try some 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 other different stuff, and but and then now everybody wants the old Tyler pickups again, and Jim's just like, I don't like how those sound, you know. And I said, Jim, here's the thing, two things. He goes, he goes, well, the thing is, is he, here's how he puts it. Jim goes, those pickups sounded great when everybody had racks with four compressors in a row, you know. So you got that real dang dang yep. you know like yep. guys who are fans you know like the boz skaggers record or you know any of that stuff that's super clean like you know or or billy jean you know was a highly modified i i think it was an ibanez strat um that jim gutted and put in all it was three uh seymour duncan's uh classic stacks with series split parallel on each of them and a lead rhythm circuit and all this stuff and and David Williams told Jim the sound of Billy Jean is all three pickups on. So it had like a neck. I, I think it was maybe. I wish we could find pictures, man. The other day I just went searching for any kind of information and he was just, it seems like David Williams was just a guy who just went out there and played guitar, got paid and went home. He wasn't really that into fame or so there's just not a lot of information. So if anybody, you know, happens to know anybody who knows anybody in that estate or something, because it'd be so great to know what happened to that guitar. But it was three classic stacks with the outer two in series and the middle pickup in parallel. I, or no, no. Yeah, all three on with the middle pickup in parallel. And that was the, 
that super clean Billy yeah. Jean do, thing. Do, do, you know? Yeah, I know the part you mean. I, I play yeah. it every other week in, in a so group. So what's but... old is new again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So so anyway, so so Jim, so I said, Jim, well, that's the funny thing is, is racks are coming back. And he goes, really? And I go, Jim, you went to Nam four years ago with a rack and your whole thing for Nam was racks are back. You started it maybe. And he goes, oh man. You know, so, so we're working on, uh, I, I, I have to come up with a better way. He never liked how his pickups, because if his pickups were full on single coils within the middle, having canceling coils underneath that didn't have a magnet. So it's like a full on humbucker, but you're only hearing the single coil. And so they're mounted to the pick guard and that can become microphonic. So I'm actually working on coming up with a way to mount them in the body. And then the pick guard goes over the top of them. So, so we can bring them back. So cool. point is, is, there's a thing that we do and it would be easy to just go, Hey, this is what we do. If you want it, great. If not, I mean, we're back ordered for a couple of years, so it's not like we need the orders, but you know what people, if, if it wasn't for the guys buying the guitars, we, none of us have jobs, you know? So just like I was, you were, you were saying about M13 and, and my time at line six and, and Jim listening to session guys, we got to kind of keep your ear to the market. And sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes they want to just see those old school Tyler pickups, which were, you know, Anderson Bobbins. We, we would cut them all out and Tom would wind them and then we would do all the rest of the work to them here at the shop. I used to put them together and glue them at an angle and, and that whole kind of thing. So Cool, cool. Yeah. Now you said back ordered a couple of years. So if, if I was to place an order online, it would take me a couple of years to get it. No, well, so – what I've been telling people is we have many dealers, you know, uh, well, not a lot, but dealers worldwide and a bunch of guys in the States and everybody has slots. So they've already said what they want. So now if you call the dealers, you, you know, if, if you're, you find a dealer who has a slot open up because somebody didn't want their slot anymore. It, the, it takes us about eight weeks to build a guitar. Okay. Top okay. to bottom. So, so you could get it as fast as two, three months, you know, if you happen to go to the dealer that has a, that slot, has a slot where I'm sending them yeah. a guitar. Sure. And I, I actually, when I came here, one of the things I did is I laid out the entire year and now I'm going to lay out all next year. So every dealer knows what he's getting when with dates and we've been staying to it and it's been pretty, pretty amazing actually. So all guitars are ordered through dealers or can you bypass a dealer and just do it online? It's all through dealers. No. Yep. yep. Okay. But I, yep. I, all the custom options uh, online for you to, to, to view, so you know exactly yeah, what it is you want to I, order. I, yeah, it's so yeah. Or you can you know hit me on Facebook or or anybody who wants to email info at tylerguitars.com. I'm always answering questions. Or you can just hit hit me on Facebook. If if you send me a friend request, I'll you know I may or may not be able to. I'm getting close to that five thousand limit, and I'm not the guy who's going to have two Facebooks, so. <laughs> So if you want to interact and say, you know, I guess you can follow me too. I don't know exactly how it works. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. People but, can still follow. Always, yeah, and I, I almost look at almost anything that comes into my inbox. Everybody's, I've, I've had really good luck over the years handing out my card with my cell phone and I, my emails usually have my cell phone in it. And people are, I've lucked out in life, I guess. People have been really polite with me and not, you know, so, so as no long as it keeps going stalkers. that way. Yeah. So you can ask me, Hey, can I do this? Hey, I saw that guitar. Can I do that with this? Like, for instance, one thing that we just said, we put the kibosh on is left-handed headstocks with, with just period. 
because one, Jim just hates how it looks with his logo aesthetically. Yep. I think it looks totally badass, but it bothers him. And so he's just like, no. And if it's not a Floyd, he hates what it does to the to the low E string with that longer, you know, oh, really? thing. Okay, it affects so, its own, huh? Yeah. Okay. It, well, it's just it does it yeah, because you 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 have a tension. You know, yep. so you got a longer string and it just changes the tension and the feel of the guitar and stuff, you know, yeah. people who know that the two, you know, I, I kind of got busted because I did the, the JTV 89. I did the shred guitar um, with the J- Tyler Variax with the reverse headstock, mainly because I knew eventually I wanted to have a, a, a straight headstock as well. And they ended up after I left, they ended up doing the Floyd Rose version with the, with the regular headstock. But I wanted to do that reverse headstock first to just say, this is not the Strat style or the Gibson style, <coughs> you know? So excuse me oh, as I have you. a little sneezing fit over here. Oh, good thing I could turn yeah. my camera off as I do that. Now my thing with reverse headstock and I, and I don't own any, I've never owned one. But one thing that, that pops up for me, I wouldn't get one with a Floyd Rose because anytime I restring a Floyd Rose or I want to tune it, it's either you know down here. Let me just change the angle so you can see what I'm doing. Um, down, down here or up on this side. But, and I'm going to grab a guitar to, just to show you what I mean. So, yeah. Just one second. Yeah. Hurry back. We miss you already. It's okay. It's okay. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Ugh. I'll just cut to a shot of me. So um, my way of thinking is if I'm playing in my hands here and I can hear that my top E string is a little flat, I would like to be able to just do that. Not yeah. bring my hand over to the top to quickly tweak it. That just makes sense that yeah. it'd be there. But I totally get restringing it, putting it down on a bench. No, you want it on this side where you can access it. Floyd Rose, well, you know, it's going to be down this end where you do your tuning, you find tuning. So, and, and I love that to be able to be playing and just go, oh, just tweak that. Yep, that's back in. Um, so if uh, – does Jim watch these things? Does, would, would Jim this likely be, be watch this replay that of, of what we're doing right now? Because if he is, Jim. Never. Okay. Never in his whole oh, life. Oh, well, you, can, you can pass it on then. You can pass it on. Well – I don't know yeah, if that's no, something you guys have thought about, but, yeah, it's so much easier to just do that rather than that. No, no, totally. No, that, that makes, that's actually one of the things I do like when I am working on a, a tuning a, you know, like when I, I, I set up all the guitars during the, like Alice in Chains dirt sessions and different bands and a couple of the bands that Carlstrom work with had reverse headstocks. And that, that, I, that always did hit me like, oh, that's easier. Yeah. You know? Awesome. Now, Richie, yeah, you mentioned them. Of, by the way, uh, real quick, fun story about egg, ugly headstocks. Yeah. Um, when 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 the Telecaster first came out, it, everybody knows it had a pan headstock with three on a side. Yep. Remember that the yep. original one. Mm-hmm. And Leo wanted a straight string pull over the the nut, so he did six in line. And obviously, Bigsby did the same thing. And when that the Bigsby and the and the Telecaster were hitting, people hated it violently because really? of all the tuners on one side that were just like that looks ridiculous it's it's not, it's asymmetrical it's uh you know and you just become used to stuff like me i love now i love the tyler headstock on, on my base the whole deal and i've only met 
now I'm meeting more and more people that were like, no, I loved it right when I saw it. And one of them was Matt Scannell from Vertical Horizon. And I was like, come on, man. No, at first you didn't like it and then you got used to it. No, I liked it the first time I saw it. And I said, Whoa. okay, tell me about it. And he goes, well, I went to the baked, was it the baked potato? Somewhere. And I saw Luke there playing Puffy. And I was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. So you see, you know, you see your heroes play something and then that changes because we all know half of buying gear is emotional. Uh-huh. You know, the pictures, the pictures in the Helix aren't for you to go, oh, you know, oh, that's a Marshall. No, you just feel like, oh, you know, you, yep. it's emotional. Yep. So like plugins, plugins could just be gray with faders, but no, they make them with knobs and <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Now you mentioned NAM earlier, um, and obviously there wasn't a NAM last year for for obvious reasons. Uh, well, one that people could attend anyway. Um, does do you guys still have a, a booth at NAM? Or the uh, last Jim few had NAMs? one. Jim had one. I think two years. I think let's see, twenty. My last twenty nineteen. 2020, I was there about 20. I think he had one either in 2019 or 2018. And he, he hates NAM. But that shouldn't be surprising because most of us do. But but he loathes it on so many levels. But I, I was talking to him, and, and we don't need to go to NAM. But I said, you know what, Jim? The thing is, though, that's what, super, what the, the best thing about going to NAM for us as a company is meeting the people who love your stuff and then also meet, there's so many thousands of guys that never have a chance to touch a Tyler and they just want to touch it and go and just make sure before they order it, you know, yep. and, and then, and then you never know, you, you meet a dealer or two if, if we expand it all, you know, we, yep. our plan is to keep it constrained though. We want to just kind of keep it like Bugatti, like, you know, like just keep it constrained and and magical and just you know stay right there there's no world domination plans or anything you know yeah. and let's face jim, jim would say it as well he's like hey you know we're making really really nice you know strat copies yep you know it's a bolt-on guitar it's, yeah. it's not rocket science but it's the the care and the and the and the his blood, sweat, and tears, and his experience, and and all the guys that went into what it became, you know. So, yes. you know, there's already a company that's making all the money, and many of my friends work there, and I love them, you know, dearly. So, cool, cool, yeah. Rich, I, I might start going through some of the questions, mate. So, folks, if you do have any yeah. questions, let me just cut to you so you can see me a bit, bit, a bit better. Sometimes I talk too fast and stumble on my words. Um. Start putting them in, in the comments there, and I'll make my way through them. I'm just going to go back up to the top here. Uh, so there's a few shout-outs from friends of yours, obviously, which you can go back and have a look at. Um, okay. Let me see. Rick gets the best interviews. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Just nobody knows about me yet. Yet. But yet. good folk like Rich. You know do- what? What's that? You're doing a great job. I got to tell you, one of the reasons I said yes is obviously we've been friends for a while, you know, friends. But, uh, but I, you know, before I said yes, I went and checked it out. And I was like, you know what? I dig this guy. And you, you are. People are going to know who you are. I think, I think if you keep it going, you know, you do great interviews. And, and I, I ended up watching a bunch of them just because I was into it. Oh, cool. You know, That's I awesome. That's awesome to get a feel. I, I listened to one to get a feel for what you do, but then yeah. I was just like clicking on them and, you know, so. 
Oh, that's awesome. Because I, yeah, it's it's a bit of a secret. I don't have that many subscribers or, or views to yeah. say the truth. Uh, but it's one of those things. It can just sit there for ages until the algorithm picks it up. So yep. um, I'm good friends with a, a chap named Louis Shelton. I'm not sure if you know who that is. Yeah. He's a, I think. He's, you mentioned Boz Skaggs earlier. He he yeah. does a solo on Lowdown and, and he oh, plays yes. a guitar solo yeah, on sure. Rich, Lionel Richie's yep. Hello and mm-hmm. Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkeys. That's him at the start. Like he, Beautiful. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with his career. But um, yeah. the first attempt I ever did at an interview, and I, I had a laugh with him. He was over here a couple of days ago. Um, I had no idea. And was just like, oh, I'm just going to turn some cameras on. Let's just talk. Uh, and I had a 1952 Telecaster here, a genuine one. And sort of, wow, yeah, that just started the conversation. And, um, and I said to him, man, that video sat on 500 views for about a year. And I'm thinking the fuck like surely more people would be into that and then boom it just got a hundred thousand views in a week so you never know it's just the right person person sharing it it's almost at two hundred thousand now but yeah it just takes time for and you got to play the algorithm game i don't know how to play the algorithm game but um, yeah you know the right person shares it dan danny carey is a friend of mine he plays drums for tool Uh uh-huh and uh he, uh, I, I ran sound for his band Volto for years. And so when I say friend, I, I use that term carefully, yep. but he's a friend. Yep. And, uh, he, he was talking about how he, he, he did his camera with, uh, uh, just put, put his phone up doing a, some, a solo on one of the tracks and threw it on TikTok, just ha ha, you know, and yep. so he's like, dude, and it's up to like 37 million views. What the hell? Who's watching? <laughs> Wow! Like, yeah. Wow. My son, my son and his my son's wife has a TikTok with a. She had like, you know, fifty, sixty friends, and she's in the. She used to work in the music industry as well. She she actually came out here to work with um, Static X, and uh, and now she has this killer job. And so, but she did this thing, and she'll film my son doing funny stuff, and he's kind of, you know, animated like me, and he, she, you know, she get. 100 views, 150 views, and, you know, cat or whatever. He couldn't find the apple slices in in the fridge, and he's looking for them. And she just did just the right thing the way she filmed it. And then he goes, I thought these were freaking pineapple. And it went to, it's over a million views now. What? Wow, wow. So like you said, suddenly something catches on, and yeah, I think that's yeah. going to happen for you, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, mate. I'm going to pick yeah. your brains for some contacts after this of other people you yeah. might think. Well, come, Anytime. Come but back to the, the questions at hand. Christopher Chen wants to know, Rich, are we going to see a 24-fret Tyler? Yeah, uh, so, so, okay, I'm going to make notes. Not because I really care. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he had asked me this. Uh, I think he asked me this on Facebook, but and I forgot to ask Jim, so I'm actually going to write this down. So anything we do, so we, we back in the day, we used to be more, you know, um, um, hands-on and pin routers and, you know, and just, but now you have CNC's and everything, you know, kind of, you know, flows together, you know, so it has to, um, we need a lot of CNC work to then build the fixtures that go in the CNC, you know, in SolidWorks and stuff. And Jim's longtime friend who worked at like Lockheed and all this stuff used to do all of that for him. Um, sadly he passed away, you know, we're all getting older. And uh, we just recently, uh, 
a, one, one of my main cats here is a guy named Andy Hicks, who used to be at, uh, at Exotic. And before that, he was at Jackson and Fender. And uh, I'm going to start telling, by the way, guys, on, on our Facebook page and other places, I'm going to start telling everybody else's story around here, too. Because people need to know that all these years, it's absolutely Jim's DNA and his blood, sweat, and tears, and he's touched every guitar. But, you know, there's so many people that, there's no Tyler guitars without the guys that are working here, yeah. you know, and, and they're, they all got great stories. But anyway, Andy had a good friend that we, we just recently are talking to that hopefully we can just use in part time and, and start being able to do some stuff like figure out how to do 24 frets. Now, one thing I do know about Jim and 24 frets is he doesn't like where the neck pickup ends up. Hmm. And again, I told him, I said, yeah, but that, that guy knows he's trading a little bit of what that tone would be where you know, it is on a strat for the ability to get up there and, and do that thing. And, and I know that it, you know, some people would be like, what, it's two more. No, it's, it's no, a thing. It it's absolutely a thing. changes it. Absolutely. And sometimes yeah. it, sometimes it's a look thing. It's, you know, it's got a look, you know, yeah. so, yeah. so we do what we do, but at the same time, we're always thinking about, you know, what, what do people want? We want, we, I want to bring the bases back. Obviously my base is right over there. I got to put frets back into it cause it was fretless, but, uh, but yeah, so so cool. hopefully I just wrote it down. I'm going to ask him. Okay, okay. Uh, what else we got here? Edmund, we two questions. Any updates on the consideration for stainless steel frets? That's the first part. Uh, I'll let you answer that, and I'll come back to the second part. Um, absolutely. Uh, I'm actually working on getting the tools because it it's hard on tools. But we have one one of our artists that is a cat named uh, Jay Gore, uh, sweet cat killer player and he came in with a guitar and he really wanted stainless steel frets and Jim's like you know and it's like but you know they're good friends they smoke cigars together and all this so he's like all right fine so Jim put the stainless steel frets in and he did it himself just to see the amount of work that went into it and and then uh, our guy who does all our fret work Jim forgot to even tell him that he was working on stainless steel frets so he just gave it to him and Fred whipped it out and then Jim remembered that he, hey, so how was that working? And he goes, yeah, I noticed it was, it was a little tougher, but but not really a problem. Cool. And so so we looked at it more. And so long story short, and, and Jim played it. And there's a great video that uh, Warmoth did. I think it was Warmoth that where they compared uh, stainless steel frets to regular frets. And I could I could pick every time. It is a hair brighter, but I think it's. A little spankier and but if you're a guy that wears your frets like you're a top 40 guy I got a guy who we're gonna do it we're gonna refret his neck with stainless steel because he just goes through frets because he's playing eight hours a night or whatever the heck those guys play so yeah. so yeah so it's not announced I guess I'm announcing it now but uh exclusive but yeah, we, exclusive I just, I just yeah <laughs> I just got to get the tools and 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 get all the you know we we actually to be able to handle it we have a full-on fret we've never really buffed frets with a buffing machine so we got that up and jim actually got that up and running and and uh so so we're gonna let the dealers know soon and and uh you know because some people and i thought man would everybody want stainless steel frets and i already talked to many people who are like no i like the pushback i feel it with nickel you know yeah. they they tried stainless and they don't like how slippery it is yeah. but then some people love it you know so yeah no, yep. that, that that zing thing. I, I I know the video that you talked about uh, that Aaron from Warmoth had put up, and there is that just that tiny bit of a, a zing up top. Yeah, 
but yeah. minuscule. But minuscule. you know what? Com yeah, compared to any number of things in your signal chain that could cause any number of issues, it's it's minuscule. You know, it's yeah. it's just not even when people are going, ah, oh, it's way brighter. It's like, yeah, you know. I, I think and maybe it's, it's brighter, brighter and acoustically. You don't, like it, don't do it. I think it's yeah. it's brighter as you're playing it. You hear more of a zing as yeah. opposed to what the pickups are picking up. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good point. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that could be it. Now, I should have warned you before we started that, um, especially my midday ones that I do, that I drink a hell of a lot of coffee in the morning. I see you drinking water. So I'm going to ask this next question, and I'm going to just sneak off for 30 seconds. So uh, let's see. The next part of Edwin's question was, uh, the story of how Lukather named his gym burst as Puffy, if possible. Oh, that, that's too short of a story. You're going to have to go to another question. Okay, okay. We don't know. We don't know. He won't tell anybody. And I think... He alludes to it in his book, which if you haven't read Lukather's book, read it. It's And if you can listen to it on Audible, do that because he reads it and it's awesome. Cool, but, but cool. Give me, and, and the only guitar besides his Ernie Balls in his book is Puffy. That was pretty cool. But I think it's more he wanted to show his mullet. And it happened to be with his puffy. You know, yeah, right. So. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I've been working up but, the yeah. balls to ask Steve Lukather on the show, man. He's he's been like a, on my radar, and I know people that know him. Um, yeah. and I've, I'm going to do it in the next week or so. I'm going to I'm going to send yeah. an email. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, when I run into him, he remembers me, and we kind of yeah. uh, you know chit chat. But yeah. that would be one where I'm not a good friend of his. No, I I, I have his email. I've just been. Been uh, waiting to, to find that right moment and, and get to a point yeah. where I'm comfortable enough with this that I don't just freeze. Yeah. He seems to be into it. He does a lot of he does a lot of smaller interviews. I've noticed. Yeah, you know. Well, I'm going to reach I out to I him. I think then. he and he's a great. He's God, he's such a good storyteller. And but yeah. and back in the day, he was. <laughs> now there's a question here. Well over the top. There's a question here that I think you've already answered. Um, how did the idea of round edges on the fretboard came about? And you you explained that with Landau's yep. guitar. Uh, Frank Peacher wants to know, I hope I pronounced that right. Would you consider creating a gallery to show photos of each guitar as it goes out of the shop? They're each so unique and seeing the industry, uh, seeing the history would be cool. It would be, would aid in selection as well. Yeah. That's actually a, a, a you, you want to go to the bathroom? No, no, that, that, that really okay. strong urge just died off a bit. So I'm going to wait to another question. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so. I've been posting a few on Facebook, but I've definitely thought of that. Obviously, a lot of the stuff we do, like a burning water, burning water, burning water, you know, that. that. But I, I am trying, and usually when we sell something really different, that user almost always blasts all the groups and all that kind of stuff. But so Jim's a professional photographer. So he, he, he doesn't want to just, you know, and then, you know. But I think I've posted me and 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 people who've done this job before me um, with the, with the social media have just been you know just snapping a good picture sitting in the case and now I've been doing that you know so so I'll try and do that more because because cool. that's a really good point there are so many different you know things and yeah you know, absolutely yeah I think that sort of builds the the lust up a bit as well when people see them and go oh look how that one turned out. Now the downside is this is funny. I've had Jim tell me like like for instance, uh, gosh, well, let me give you a for instance. Um, uh, oh, uh, we did uh, one one of our one of our longtime friends who has a bunch of our guitars, and a guy named Flint Mavis, and he uh, 
he got a, a purple Tyler uh, with a with purple metal flake and an arm contour that was super hard and Jim never wants to do again. And then we did a purple headstock and we used a logo that's going to be on the set neck that just says it's Jim's signature, J James Tyler with California, not not the signature one you see on like the ice water. And uh, um, and Jim was like, oh, gosh, he's going to post pictures and then everybody's going to want arm contours on, the, you know, and I go, Jim, you just say no. And he goes, oh, yeah, but it's so hard, you know, so sometimes he'll he'll be like, no, don't post that weird guitar. It, yeah, it's awesome. But everybody's going to now they're going to want, you know, flame maple on a mongoose, you know, and, yeah. you know, whatnot. So. So it's a double-edged sword, I guess, but I'm going to, I'm going to definitely try and post more, especially the, the different ones, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what are your favorite pickup combinations and why? Man, that's one where when, when uh, somebody asks Jim the same thing, he just looks at him like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? So, so there, there's, I actually want to get more of the history on the different pickups that Jim's come up with, but like I'm putting out again, like I said, this is just my recollection and my, you know, I, you know, we're a small shop. So half of the stuff that I I'm saying right now, me and Jim were just shooting the hay one day. And, but his favorite combination to say two humbuckers back in the day was a JB and the bridge and a 59 at the neck Seymour Duncan. And if you guys don't know Seymour Duncan and, and Jim Tyler go way back to norms and, and, and after that, and cool. like, Jim, there's a great picture. Did I post it on ours? I, I just sent it up to my friend at Seymour Duncan, but there's a great picture of Jeff Beck's tellies at Seymour's shop, which is just a one room with like a string winder and then a, a board behind him that has some pickups hanging off of it. But, uh, but anyway, um, that was his favorite combination. So I think the super is kind of JB ish. And, and the retro is kind of 59-ish, you know, and the 5500s are like his favorite sort of single coil, you know, a little, little bit more, eh, you know. But when it comes to trying to figure out how to let somebody know what combination is going to work for them, that's hard. And I wish, I wish, I wish, enter, I, I'm a big Star Trek, original Star Trek fan. And I like all the series and stuff. And a good friend of mine is the alien on the new one. Maybe we could get him on the pot, on the cast. Cool. <laughs> I'm talking, he doesn't play guitar, but Hey, he's Saru on discovery. So and that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a good, he was the, a, a, he was the uh, fish guy in that shape of water movie and Ape oh, really? and Hellboy yeah. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, wow. I just tangent and set myself off. So, uh, we we're talking about pickup combinations yep. uh, and Seymour. So, um, so it's 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 so hard to to uh, oh oh I wish we could have transporters to bring people here because we have a guitar where we can slide the pickguard out and slide in a different pickguard so the guitar stays the same and you can try all the different pickups. Yeah. And and I'm actually going to do that myself to get more. I need to have a better handle on on that. So. So, so sometimes if somebody says, you know, this, you know, that sound on that or this or that, you know, he can kind of maybe glean something that helps him get in the ballpark, you know, but it's so hard because 
how did what what guitar was actually played on this or that and you know how that goes like jimmy page has made you know stairway to heaven has made sold more les pauls with a telly than any other song before you know yeah, it's like yeah yeah it was a telly you yeah. know and but live you know it's so absolutely you know. uh yeah it's just hard it's a the pickups, all the pickups that we make, Jim has definitely loved. He, he's discontinued pickups because he didn't like how they sounded. You yeah. know, some of the telly pickups have gone through iterations. So if we make them, Jim stands behind them. Cool, cool. You know, we're getting ready to do a round of new uh, audio clips too. So okay, now, me, and, me and Jay Gore actually. Nice, nice. Well, that, that whole idea of just sliding pickups in and out. I've got an old. Squire over here that I've considered routing out so I can do that just to do some pickup mm -hmm. uh, comparisons and, and the like. Yeah. Now, the man with uh, one of the coolest names uh, on the internet who's a, an Uber fan of all the YouTubers, Pooh Ninja, <laughs> wants to know, does Rich prefer a Floyd slash floating trim or a fixed bridge? That's up to the, the end user. Yeah, okay. I'm a bass player. So, so one thing I'll tell you this, I love how Floyd looks on a guitar because I love drag racing. And to me, it looks like the backside of a top fuel dragster. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. But, okay. they, but they all have, they, they have functionality, but they also have their own sound. Floyd sound different than, than, a, than a two post goto type thing. And a fixed bridge also has its sound, you know, yep. and some people like six screws and some people like two posts, you know? Yep. And and like I said, a lot of stuff is religion, and a lot of stuff is is even more importantly is 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 emotional, you know. Yep. yep. You heard his record, and the guy had that, you know. They, oh, he had that Eric Johnson bridge. Oh, I gotta get that bridge. Mm -hmm. That's the key. And yep. even if it isn't, you get that bridge, and you feel better, and you play better, and you know. That's a good way of looking at it, because you know, the way that bridge sounds, he may have set his amp slightly different to compensate for a brightness or something. So you can never really yeah. pinpoint what it is. Uh, yeah. I have a question for you, unless there's any others out there that want to drop some more questions as I ask mine. And then I am going to have that quick little break. Um, Tonewood. Do you believe there is such a thing? Uh, does the sound of the different woods in a body or neck or fretboard uh, affect mm -hmm. the tone of the guitar? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, is it, is it as Jim would say the same, but, uh, is it as important as, as, uh, you know, some people make it seem like, Oh, it's the most important thing there is, you know? And yeah, there's, there's definitely flavors and combinations and, and that, but it's funny cause every guitar that we do all different woods, we do mahogany, alder, ash, we do rosewood, ebony. Uh, Pau Ferro and every guitar that I hear Jim he plays through that same deluxe that we saw earlier and they all have a chime and a ching regardless of pickups or you know and all of that so it's all you know it's all in the ballpark I think even more than tone woods set necks and bolt-ons definitely have a different sound um, set necks are a little spankier um, that neck uh, sorry I said that backwards bolt-ons are a bit spankier and a bit more attack and set necks are a little more uh sustained and warm a little less attack you know so it, i think t if, if it wasn't true that tone woods are important um then there wouldn't be so many different guitars made out of wood and by now 
like when I was at Line Six, one of my engineers, the the guy who founded Line Six, Michelle Doidick, at one point he came into my office and he goes, "Why are we still making guitars out of wood?" Because he's not a guitar player, yeah. and he was just like, "We could just injection mold these things, and you know, and we all know different companies that have tried it, and." You know, it can sound okay. You know, can can even sound good. And I don't know if you've seen that video, but there's a great video of a guy building that strat out of concrete. I have, I have. have yeah, yeah. And then when he plays it, I was like, going. It sounds like a guitar. You yeah. could, you could make a record. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. so. Yeah. So yeah, but but definitely, like mahogany is a little darker, or an alder is a little bit more, you know, mid range, and ash is a little spankier, or you know, yeah, and and maple fingerboard is a little bit brighter than a rosewood fingerboard and yeah you know but it's all you know yeah, yeah. i i definitely hear that um I, I walked back in as you were saying about the the more of a, of a snap on a, a maple fretboard and that's something i i, I do notice myself um mm -hmm. and you know i've spoken to various people who swear by it that yeah man all the different woods and then i've had guys that just shake their head and go mate that's just physics it's just impossible well, oh no it's it's definitely possible because at line six when we were modeling the guitars that ended up being in variax i wasn't there for that obviously we we tweaked the models going into the the jtv from what they had and and did some work with them but we didn't remodel but i talked enough with our sound design guy um about what they did and things that they discovered about wood one thing that surprised me and I'm going to say this completely wrong, but I'm going to just wing it just for, for the fun of the story. So don't write it down or think I know what I'm talking about because I'm just not the sound design guy. Um, the, when, when, you, when we say that a wood is warmer, that means that the wood actually is brighter because what it does is it resonates with the higher frequencies on the string and pulls that out of the string, leaving the warmer overtones yeah so it's you get the so it's it really the wood is the opposite of what it's doing to the string through the pickup yeah that really that make makes sense? sense so yeah because it's I'm, resonating I'm sure. with it and it's sucking the energy out of it yeah so. yeah so I, I don't know if, if people have experienced this but i i clued onto this at a very young age when i first started playing guitar that if you've got two acoustic guitars in the room and you and they're tuned exactly the same and you pick the, the just pluck the the thick e string the other one beside it will start resonating in sympathy so i can see that with the woods that yeah that makes sense i exactly. never thought of it that way yeah so so in the model we had to think about all that kind of stuff and the woods definitely well and of course the bridges and all that kind of stuff you know affected the what you know what is it attack release adsr attack, yeah, attack release, decay sustain, sustain release release yeah yep. so it affects all of that so the kinds of wood affects that in in that sense but i think the flip side of all the science which you have to do if you're making products and stuff like that the flip side is you know as jim tyler says you know god plays a telecaster with a coil cord into a, i think twin reverb don't quote me on that but you know it's like you get you, you get playing make music yeah you know the worst equipment has made some of the most brilliant music that we've ever had but it's you know in fact one of my one of our my jokes is can you imagine if hendrix would have a floyd to stay in tune 
and he would have had a compensated nut and 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 stainless steel frets and and then the noiseless pickups and like and and oxygen free copper and true bypass. Can you imagine the records he could have made? No, he had like a yeah. you know, absolutely. So, but that's not saying one is good or bad. It's just at the end of the day, get making music, you know, yep. and then play with toys, you know. Yep. So. Yep. I did uh, just glance over a comment there. We were talking about the twenty-four fret necks and um, how moving it slightly, the, the pickup to accommodate that changes the sound. And it absolutely does. I, I clicked onto that years ago. Um, Poo Ninja is saying, put a fret on the neck pickup. Could that work? Hey, you know what? I don't know if that could work, but here's the funny thing is, is that sounds crazy, you know, but it'd have the to way be we would work. on this side of the pole pieces, wouldn't it, to work? Yeah. That's have, has somebody tried that actually? Now that I think of it, I feel like maybe I've seen something like that. You know, I have pressed down on my actual pickup before to, to get sounds, and it yeah. depends on the guitar. Sometimes, surprisingly, it is in tune, and other times you just go, ooh, yeah, no, we just killed everybody in the, in the crowd there. Um, that's not such a crazy idea, is it? If it, has, if it hasn't yeah. been done before. Yeah, but at the same time, if we ever did a 24 fret neck, it would be for the guy who is okay with the sound of a neck pickup on a 24 fret guitar. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Awesome. So it's more just having the, the ability to do it. And then also just seeing if, you know, the amount of work it would take to put it into production. You know, we just got to make sure that enough people would want it that we don't make a whole fixture. Like, you know, I joke, I have a, if a, if my buddy Adrian is watching, this is uh i don't know if you can am i holding that can you yep, read that yep, yep stanton so these were going to be wireless dj headphones and uh we we uh yeah there you go yeah when i Let's was at KRK, we were yeah we were stanton and Sirwin vega so we were making making these headphones and they, they never got to make it to the market you know before uh gibson sold the the company and and uh, they sold Stanton to, I forget who, and then Sirwin Vega actually is now back with Sirwin Vega Mobile. But uh, anyway, these headphones, I have a pair, and I think my buddy Adrian has a pair. So I joke that, you know, I have $40,000 headphones, you know, because all the tooling and all this work and all the man hours, it's probably more than that. I mean, I just, that's a, a funny round number. But, you know, so if we do all of this work for, you know, three guys to have 24 frets, you know, I love those three guys, but you know, we just can't do it. So we got to yeah. make sure, you know, it's it's something people really want. So, do you guys have like a, a Japanese line as well of guitars with Tyler Tyler branded? We 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 don't, but uh, Kitahara is our is our Japanese dealer uh, distributor, I should say, and then they distribute to Japan, and we've had like a thirty year relationship with them. I was actually. Uh, with uh, Daisuke um, from Kitahara. His name's Daisuke Kitahara. Uh, I've known him for, man, 30 something years. And uh, he, uh, he, before I was here, him and Jim worked it out. And so 
Jim, this is a sole proprietorship, James Tyler Guitars. And then Jim has J James Tyler Designs, which is what where he does all the Line 6 stuff. And there's there's a couple brands out there, I forget the names, that he's helped design the guitar. Okay. And and then he worked it out with Daisuke to he just gets paid a royalty for guitars they sell. But it's all to Jim specs. They get pickups from us. Uh, they use they they can't they can't just make guitars and, you know on their own. They have to you know show them to Jim and make sure they're approved. They've done some really cool things with the finishes that I don't I, I don't know if they've run it by Jim or if Jim's okay with them just going for it. But they've come up with some really cool schmears and stuff that you know people are like, hey, can I get that? And I'm like, uh, sorry, they do it. We don't know how to do it. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and right now we're like I said we're so back ordered we don't have to figure out certain things you know but uh, but yeah so so it's it's separate completely separate Jim it's Jim but you know I mean when I first saw the guitars I got to say I was like there was only a couple of little things that made me go okay but it was so nailed that it was hard to tell you know wow. so yeah they did a great job and Jim did a good job you know teaching them they came over spent days here with Jim. So awesome. Rich, is there anything yeah. you, you want to touch on before I round things up, babe? Gosh. Um, no, no, maybe, maybe, uh, I was thinking, I, what I was, uh, I was thinking, what was I thinking? I was thinking that, well, it'll come to me and I'll, 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 I'll shoot you a message, but I was thinking we could do this again in six months or something. And, uh, and there was something I was like, yeah, because then we could do, uh, it'll come to me, yeah, but, yeah. but I'd love to do it again. Yeah. I, I'd love to have you back on as well, mate. You, you're very easy to talk to with all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I've had actually had other guys from companies say, man, can we make this a regular thing when we've got new releases? And I'm like, sure, sure. So yeah, um, yeah love to have, have you back on. Um, folks, thanks thanks for watching. Thanks to Rich for, for coming on. Uh, and as we said earlier, I think this is one of the best kept secrets in the world of guitar. Um, the... It just keeps snowballing with the, the, the caliber of guests that we're getting on there. So if you are watching and you, you appreciate what we're doing here, uh, please share it. it that's the, the way that it gets out there. Share it on your social media. Um, the Chit, Cat, Chit Chats with Git Cats uh, public group uh, on Facebook. That's where I let people in on, on what's going on behind the scenes, who I'm lining up before it actually happens. Um, so And... and as I say, I've got sponsors that have given me a whole bunch of stuff to give away. Uh, I'll be doing all that through there as well as on the show, but um, I'm still working out the best way to do all that. Um, so jump on board, spread the word. Rich, you bloody legend, as we say in, in Australia. You didn't call me dude once. I called you, I called you mate a couple oh, of times. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, dude. Ah, oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, as, as I said to you, um, when I meet American touring bands, and if I say "dude," they sort of just look at me and go, "Man, that sounds weird coming out with your accent." <laughs> awesome, funny. Rich. Thank you once again. You know what happens, folks? I got the button with the end screen, and when I hit it, it goes like this, and we're gone. So goodbye.